We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA championship. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. It's game day. Lakers versus Rockets tonight. I am Trevor Lane. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We're going to break down Lakers Rockets. We'll talk about the injuries heading into the game. Kind of important given how many players are out right now for the Lakers due to injury. So we'll dive into that. We'll talk a little bit about the free throw situation with LeBron James. We'll also get into a number of mailbag questions and, of course, take a look at the keys for the Lakers to get a win tonight against those Houston Rockets. But before we get into all of that, quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and check out the membership program. Some really cool perks, I believe, Click that join button or use the link in the description on our videos to see the perks that we're offering for YouTube channel members. All right, so let's start things off because I think this is probably what's on top of mind for most people, the injury update. Let's take a look at where things currently stand. So last night, the Lakers released their injury update. They call it a status report. But Rui Hachimura, thank goodness, Concussion protocol, he's being listed as probable. So Rui Hanchamura is likely to play tonight against the Houston Rockets, means he should be out of concussion protocol. Notorian Prince on here, which means he's good to go. Anthony Davis, this is the big one. Anthony Davis, left adductor slash hip spasm, and Jackson Hayes, questionable. Now, Jackson Hayes, Darvin Hammond said uh, prior to their last game against the Miami Heat that if this was a later in the season game, then Jackson Hayes may have indeed just played through it, but they didn't want to push him early in the season and create something that would linger. And so they opted not to. Now, I think that mindset is actually pretty important, not just for Jackson Hayes, but for Anthony Davis as well. Um, first of all, for Jackson Hayes, if the Lakers felt like, well, he probably could play through this if he really wanted to. And that was a couple days ago. That leaves me a little bit more optimistic that maybe he is a go for tonight's game against the Rockets. But that line of thinking, that it's early in the season, let's not risk anything. To me, and again, I, I don't know on this, but to me, that would, that would suggest that Anthony Davis is a little bit less likely to go. If the Lakers are taking that let's not risk anything approach, which frankly isn't the wrong approach to be taking, but if that's the approach they're taking to Anthony Davis right now, just like they were with Jackson Hayes a few days ago, 
that would make it seem less likely that he plays. But we will see. If he ends up being, if AD feels totally fine, he probably plays. But I'll tell you what you don't want. You don't want Anthony Davis to go back out there and for us to have a repeat of what we saw in the second half against the Miami Heat, where AD simply couldn't move, where that was actually hurting the Lakers because he had no mobility. The Lakers actually looked much better when AD was off the floor. Not that that's a consistent thing. Obviously, they're better with Anthony Davis, period. But when AD was off the floor, that helped the Lakers more than an Anthony Davis who essentially was a tree. He couldn't really move out there. So what you don't want to see is a repeat of that. You don't want to see Anthony Davis saying, yes, I'm going to give it a go against Houston and then not be able to move. And he's struggling. The Lakers defense is struggling because he can't move. And then he's potentially tweaking the injury again. And you've got an issue there. Now, again, the, the Houston Rockets, and we'll talk more about them in a moment, but they've got Alperin Sengun, who I like a lot. He's a very talented player. I think the Lakers are going to need all the help they can get in the middle. But when I look at this, yes, AD and Jackson Hayes are both questionable. Given the way they approach the Jackson Hayes injury, my guess is that Jackson Hayes is more likely to play tonight than Anthony Davis. But we will see. Fingers crossed. Hopefully both are totally good and can play. No issues. That's what we want to see. Jalen Huchifino, Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, all still out due to their own various injuries. Um, Jared Vanderbilt set to be reevaluated when the Lakers get back from this road trip. So that'll be this coming weekend. Gabe Vincent will probably have another week before he gets reevaluated again. Remember, reevaluation does not mean return. So we're still going to be waiting to find out exactly how long these guys will be out. All right. Before we get into the matchup, before we get into some of the keys for the game, as well as some of our chat questions, everything else we need to talk about on this show. Let's talk a little bit about the LeBron free throw free fall. LeBron James uh, was not happy after the game against the Miami Heat, nor was Darvin Ham. In fact, the Lakers, uh, according to Dave McMenamin of ESPN, actually submitted footage from the game against the Heat to the NBA, showing the NBA that, hey, LeBron's getting fouled and he's not getting calls. And this has been a consistent thing over the course of the season. In fact, I put this out there on, on X. I said, you dig into the stats, LeBron James, we asked. We said, LeBron, stop taking so many threes. Let's get to the basket. He's doing it. He is driving 2.3 times more per game this season than last season. He's taking about one three less this season than last season. Less threes, more driving to the rim, more contact. He's also shooting less free throws. Somehow, again, he increased his drives, decreased his jumpers, and he's shooting less free throws than last season. Now, it's a small sample size. We're only talking about seven games. But still, if you watched that game, yeah, LeBron got hit a bunch of times and didn't get calls. It's bewildering. It be bewildering. It's always been so that LeBron, the, the face of the NBA, the still the brightest star in the league, the most recognized star in the league. And he doesn't really get much of a superstar whistle now, does he? Now, non-Lakers fans will roll their eyes and say, oh, that's just the Lakers crying. That's them telling on themselves and saying they don't actually watch the games. If you watch the games, you see LeBron get hit and get hit and get hit and not get a call. I argued over on the, on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel that it's the Shaquille O'Neal effect, that he's so big and so strong that guys are bouncing off of him and not making an impact on the way he's moving. And so he doesn't get called when he gets hit um, as opposed to say a, a smaller guy, like a Trey young who you, you touch him and he's just going to go flying. 
yes, there's some embellishment there at times, but he's also a much smaller player. So any kind of contact, it's going to be very noticeable. A big, strong, physical player like LeBron, he can power through players, and that can actually do him a disservice in terms of getting that whistle. But nonetheless, tonight, keeping an eye on the officiating is going to be important because clearly the Lakers have made sure this is public. They've got it out there that, hey, we're not happy with the way LeBron James is being officiated. We're not happy with the whistles that he is not getting this season. And so it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Do the refs continue to allow players to chop away at LeBron, to hit him? Uh, Thomas Bryan, our old friend, hit him in the face last game. Nothing. No whistle. Right in front of a ref. No whistle. Nothing. No call. Um, that is something to keep an eye on for tonight's game against the Houston Rockets. Is that going to be a continuing problem for the Lakers? Or did the fact that they became kind of the squeaky wheel does that get the attention of the league and actually help to uh, to turn things around a bit and get some whistles? All right, let's talk a little bit about the game tonight. Lakers versus Rockets, 5 o'clock Pacific time. I put Pacific Pacific, like pizza pizza there. Um, <laughs> podcast listeners don't know what I'm talking about. It's a typo on my, uh, on my title here on the YouTube channel. But Lakers-Rockets, uh, 5 o'clock game. We're getting a little closer to a normal Pacific time game. We have these got all these early games on this road trip. Uh, got Phoenix coming up. That will put things closer to what we're used to. Uh, but for tonight, 5 o'clock Pacific time game for the Lakers. Still pretty early in terms of the, the tip-off. But um, this is a game that the Lakers need. And frankly, the Rockets actually have the better record than the Lakers do right now. The Rockets are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, the Lakers three and four. So right now, Houston comes into this into this game with a better record. And this is Houston that was, you know, not projected to be a playoff team. In fact, not projected to be anywhere close to a playoff team. And yet here they are, three and three. They have back-to-back -back wins over the Sacramento Kings. And we're talking about blowout wins. Blowout wins over the Sacramento Kings. They won 107 to 89. And then the next night. They won, or the next game, they won 122-97. to 97. Yeah. The Rockets, go figure. Getting the job done against Sacramento. Now, of course, we do have to mention Sacramento is without De'Aaron Fox, who kind of makes a big difference, but still, it's something worth noting. And one of the things that's going on with the Rockets, I mean, I, I don't know what to say, other than maybe this is just a sign that the end of days is here or something like that. Dylan Brooks is shooting 59% from the field and 57% from three. Dylan Brooks, who was the Lakers' best buddy during the playoffs, he was the Lakers' best defensive scheme, was Dylan Brooks' offense. The best defense the Lakers could play was by asking Dylan Brooks to play offense for the Memphis Grizzlies and let him shoot them right out of games. He certainly did for the Rockets. Brooks cannot miss. Again, six games, averaging 16 points. 4.7 rebounds, uh, 1.3 steals, shooting 57% from three, 94% from the free throw line, and 59% from the field. Again, this man is a career 41% from the field, 34% from three, 79.8% from the free throw line. Way over his head in terms of his shooting stats. Hopefully regression hits him early and hits him hard tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, but Brooks himself had some words. Shocking, I know. Brooks said, uh, asked about defending LeBron James, said, I'm ready to lock him up. 
He's been shooting the ball well and playing well. So I'm just there to make him tired, make him get into that fourth quarter early. So again, that means Brooks wants to force a lot of minutes onto LeBron James, make sure the game is close, not let the Lakers rest him much and make him really tired. That is a dreadful thought to Lakers fans because LeBron has had to play a lot of extra minutes, particularly with Anthony Davis now ailing and so many of the Lakers wing players, Rui Hachimura, Torian Prince for a while, Jared Vanderbilt, all the guys that we thought the Lakers were going to be able to rely upon to take minutes off of LeBron have not been available. And so as a result, he's had to play some heavy minutes. He was exhausted by the end of that game against the Miami Heat day before yesterday. So, Dylan Brooks, his goal is to force more minutes onto LeBron and make him tired. The Lakers' job is to pick up the slack for LeBron and ideally give him an opportunity to get a little extra rest. And again, how about we harass Dylan Brooks into a nice regression shooting game? Come on, Dylan. Let's go back to one of those nice 30% from the field and one for seven from three games. Let's see one of those from you. That's what we sure would love to see from Dylan Brooks in this one. All right, let's get into some of the keys to tonight's game. First off, turn and turn and turnovers. 17 turnovers for the Lakers against the Miami Heat. They simply have to cut down on their turnovers. The rebounding is also an issue that we've been talking about, but the Lakers, they've got to quit with the turnovers. They're simply turning the ball over too much. They're giving opponents extra opportunities to score. They're taking away their own shot attempts. They've got to stop turning the ball over. They've got to clean up the glass. It's the hustle uh, moments. It's the 50-50 balls they're not getting to. They've got a long way to go. And I'll be honest, folks, look, LeBron is tremendous. LeBron did some amazing things last game. But there's at least a few times each game where a box out is missed, where a closeout isn't made, uh, where a rebound isn't quite controlled. And LeBron's responsible for a few of those. Again. I'm not trying to be overly critical of him because he's been great. And let's face it, this Lakers team with no AD, they're really sunk if LeBron's not out there. So by no means am I saying that LeBron is hurting the Lakers overall or anything. They are a mess, and the numbers say it. They're dangerously better with him than without him. And I say dangerously better because this team is supposed to be able to tread water without him, and that has not been the case so far. That's dangerous because you don't want to have a lot of minutes on LeBron, a lot of a heavy burden on LeBron James early on in the season, but nonetheless, LeBron also needs to sharpen up the focus in the other areas in order to prevent second chance scoring opportunities. And he's not the only one. There's a few players who have really been guilty of uh, not boxing out and then just not getting to those 50-50 balls that are so important, leading to a lot of turnovers, a lot of extra scoring opportunities. So for the Lakers, it's about cleaning that stuff up against the Houston Rockets. It's hard to get into the exact matchups in this game without knowing whether or not Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis are playing. AD, of course, being the, the big one there. And Alperin Sengun is a guy I like a lot for the Houston Rockets. He's fantastic. He's their center. And I'm worried about what he's going to do if Anthony Davis is not in this game. What kind of a game we're going to see from Sengun if Anthony Davis is indeed a no-go. All right. Rocket fuel. Rocket fuel. So the Rockets are a very young team. They're a very bouncy team. They're gonna, it's going to be kind of like playing the Orlando Magic. They're going to get out. They're going to try and race up and down the floor. I think the Lakers, well, look, the Lakers are not an old team. They're not. People look at the Lakers and they say, oh, this is an old team. No, they're not. LeBron is, an, is the oldest player in the NBA. AD is 30. 
Everybody else is in their 20s. This is a team full of players that are in their physical prime. Now, you need those players to be available. The Lakers were down to six rotation players available at the end of the game against the uh, against the Heat, in part due to Anthony Davis Davis's injury, also due to D'Angelo Russell getting himself ejected from the game. By the way, let's not do that again, please. Um, but the Lakers, while I don't expect them to match the pace of the Rockets with all their young legs, I think the energy, the focus needs to be equal to that of Houston. Houston's going to come out fired up. Why? Because they beat Sacramento a few times, but if they beat the Lakers now, if they have a three-game winning streak, and that includes a win over the Lakers, that's a big deal. Remember, it's a big deal when the Lakers come to town for all of these teams. It's not such a big deal if the Rockets come to L.A., right? That's just that's the way it is. Again, I've said it before. It sounds arrogant. It's just the truth. It's not a big deal when the Rockets come to L.A. When the Lakers go to Houston, it's a big deal. The Rockets players know this. Other teams' players know this when the Lakers come to town, when they're playing the Lakers. They bring it. The Lakers have got to match that. They've got to match that energy. If they don't, we could be staring down a three-game losing streak and staying winless on the road. Again, people think, this is just like Orlando, people think the Rockets, they stink. They're awful. This is an easy win. Roll the ball out on the floor, hand us the win, and we're going to get out of here. That's not this year's NBA. It's not. And that's not even mentioning that the Lakers actually lost to the Rockets last year when they really needed a win. They lost to the Rockets. Now they had some guys out, but still. What's happened in the NBA as parity has increased is not only has there been less separation between a lot of the teams in the West, but the bottom teams aren't as bad as they used to be. They're not gimme wins anymore. And that's true of Orlando in the East. That's true of Houston in the West. Yeah, there's still some really, like Portland's going to be really bad. There's still going to be some really bad teams. But it's not like the NBA you might remember from four or five years ago where there's two or three, maybe four top teams in each conference. And then there's a couple of, there's a bunch of kind of treadmill teams. And then there's like five or six teams that are all awful in each conference. And anytime you go up against them, you might as well just go ahead and mark the W on your on your calendar because you're getting that win. Not anymore. Not with the play-in tournament, not with the flattened lottery odds, not with all the push that we've seen from the NBA to create parity and not as these younger teams are starting to experience some organic growth. So right now, in the, especially in the Western Conference, there's no gimme games. There's no gimme wins that all you got to do is show up and you're getting the W. The Lakers are going to have to match the energy, not the pace, but the energy, the focus of this Houston Rockets team. That's going to be the most important thing. That's going to be the way everything else stems off of that. Last thing. Somebody called Wolverine. Deadpool, if you will. We need to borrow a healing factor or something because right now, every single time we've seen a Laker come back from injury, we've got more Lakers going out. Torian Prince comes back. Jackson Hayes is going out. Jackson Hayes sounds like maybe he's getting better. Anthony Davis goes out. D'Angelo Russell gets himself kicked out of a game. Now, obviously, that wasn't, you know, an injury. But still, seven games in, I've got a lot of Lakers fans. This isn't necessarily Rockets related here, but I've got a lot of Lakers fans saying, what is this team? I've got a lot of Lakers fans saying, this isn't what we signed up for. This was supposed to be a really good team. We haven't seen that yet. 
And I agree. I was talking to my buddy Alan Sliwa on ESPN earlier tonight, and I said, the problem, part of the problem with the Lakers right now and from Lakers fans is we haven't seen enough to be excited about. We haven't seen enough to be optimistic about. We've yet to see this team do something in a game where we've looked at them and said, yep, that's that's what a championship team looks like. They haven't done that yet. And so seven games in, Lakers fans are getting a little anxious. That's my perception of it. A little nervous about what this is. But here's the problem. People are saying, well, it's the it's the D'Lo Austin backcourt. Just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. You need to split these guys up. And look, there's arguments to be made. Would would the team be better overall with a three and D two guard next to either Austin or D'Lo? You can make that. That's a legitimate argument you can make. You can also make the argument that no, D'Lo and Austin are going to figure things out. They're going to be really good. They're both going to get going offensively at the same time at some point, and things are going to click. Make those arguments, right? You can say the Lakers need another big. They need a big physical presence. You can say the Lakers should trade player X, Y, and Z. But the problem is, do we really know anything? Do we really know anything with any certainty right now? Even if the team was fully healthy seven games into the season, I'd say no. Why? Because, again, the sample size is too small. But especially you look at this team. Once again, we were Chris Kamen laying on the bench status last game. That's a throwback. Lakers fans, if you're new, look it up. But the Lakers had six players. People ask, and I'm going to get to a lot of these when we get into the chat questions. People ask, why was Cam Reddish in the game? Because the option was Cam Reddish or Max Christie, and that was it. That was all Darvin Ham had to turn to. And you can argue, well, it should have been Max Christie. I'm talking about the end of the Heat game. You can argue it should have been Max Christie. That's fine. You can make that argument. But it's not like there was a full bench full of players to turn to. It wasn't like Darvin had six, seven guys, and he got to go, um, that guy. This is our go-to guy. He did eeny, meeny, miny, mo between the 20-year-old who's never been in that situation and the 24-year-old who's never quite lived up to his potential. That's what Darvin Ham had to choose from. This team is bizarrely injured right now. Imagine seven games in and you're down to six players. That's absolutely absurd. And it's exciting that Rui Hachimura is coming back. I hope... AD and Jackson Hayes both get a full, clean bill of health, and AD isn't risking anything by going out there, and there we go, because that would help too. And even if you get that, Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, both guys that are supposed to be part of your top eight rotation, both guys, out. This Lakers team has got to figure out a way to heal up. And I think it's just bad luck. I think it's just bad luck. But if you're going to beat the Rockets... You're going to need your guys that are healthy to stay healthy. And you probably need at least one of these bigs, whether it's Hayes or Anthony Davis. Again, no question. The preference is AD, but at least one of them to come back and play just to give the team that much more depth. They've been playing with an eight-man rotation for way too many games now. And again, that rotation against Miami got cut down to six. It's pushing more minutes onto other players. It's forcing Darvin Ham to play quirky lineups these guys need to get healthy and hopefully hopefully we see a more complete lakers team it's not going to be fully complete but a more complete lakers team against the rockets tonight all right before i get into our mailbag questions 
Let me give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. I love the Pick'em game. You can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It is super, super easy to do, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Um, again, it is that's one of my favorite things is it's so easy. Underdog Fantasy is so easy to navigate. Very easy to go in, figure out what it is that you want to do, and off you go, and you can do it all right from their mobile app, which again makes it super easy. Uh, so sign up today with the promo code Lakers Nation and get your first deposit doubled up to $500. Yeah, you deposit $500, Underdog Fantasy will deposit $500 for you as well. They will match that. That's unreal. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and don't forget to register with our promo code Lakers Nation to get your first deposit doubled up to $500. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, everybody. Let's get into some of our chat questions. Most of these are coming from the uh, the post game of Lakers versus Heat. So you can imagine there's some frustration that's going to be let out here. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting, though, is how much things change. Like there's a there's a world out there where Cam Reddish gets nothing but bottom on that corner three that he took to win the game. The Lakers win and the entire narrative around this team has shifted. One shot is literally the difference between a very happy and excited fan base and, well, you'll see what we have to come here. I think that's one thing to keep in mind with all of this. We're talking about the difference between, I mean, this Lakers team right now is three and four. They are not that far away from being five and two, right? You hit a few more shots in overtime against the Kings and you knock down one wide open corner three, that's that's the difference right now between being three and four and being five and two. That's it. Uh, Quad Chunder Kendi. Kenny said, why is Wood on the block there? Go five out and space the floor so Bam can't protect the rim. Plus, Wood just made a huge three. Also thoughts on D'Lo or AR off the bench because they're similar similar play style. So I already mentioned the D'Lo or AR thing on this show, so I'm not going to re-address that. But um, spacing Wood out and going five out, yeah, that's that's another wrinkle you could have thrown in. You could have thrown that in. I, I, my sense was they figured if LeBron was going to drive, maybe there would be a dump-off pass. In fact, you can argue that there may have been a dump-off pass there for Christian Wood. Also, if you if you are going to miss, you want somebody underneath to crash for the offensive board, and Christian Wood is probably your best shot of these guys to do that. So that's my thinking on that. Um, the the other thing about situations like this is that hindsight's always twenty twenty. We look back and we say, oh, we should have done X, Y, and Z. Yes, you should have, but in the moment, your reasoning can still make sense, and. When you're looking back, you go, oh, well, it didn't play out that way. So it's easy now to look back and say, what was Darvin doing? Why did Darvin have this guy on the floor? Why did he have that, that guy on the floor? There are some reasons for doing things the way they did them. Is it how I would have done it? No, 
And I think there's you can criticize Darvin for what he did, no question. You can criticize him for the the play that he called and all of that. But but that doesn't mean that he just completely lost his mind and went mad and that's why Cam Reddish was on the floor. No, there's there's defensible reasons for, for why he did what he did, but because it didn't work out, we look back and, and just think, oh my gosh, this guy, th- this is this is terrible. I don't know, he doesn't know what he's doing, right? Because we saw the result. Michael C said, why was Cam Reddish on the floor for the last play? The other option was Max Christie. And I know Cam's not a good three-point shooter, right? But Max Christie also hasn't shot the ball well from three this season and hasn't been in that situation before in crunch time in an NBA game. So there's arguments for this. But yeah, if look, if D'Angelo Russell didn't get himself tossed, which again, I, I don't, he says he wasn't sure why he got tossed. I'd, we'd have to figure out exactly what he said to the official. But if D'Angelo Russell was not ejected, Cam Reddish is not in the game. So as much as we look at this and we say, ah, Darvin Ham, what were you doing putting Cam Reddish in the game? It was Cam or Max Christie. And you can say, well, it should have been Max. But again, he hasn't been setting the world on fire from three either. So really, when we're looking at this, it can't just be, ah, we're mad at Darvin. Some of this has got to fall on D'Lo. If D'Lo didn't get kicked out and Cam is still the guy and D'Lo's sitting over on the bench, yeah, be mad at Darvin Ham. But D'Lo got kicked out of the game and it left Darvin Ham with two options and neither one of them was an ideal option in that situation. Justin said, for what is Darvin Ham getting attacked for what? Darvin Ham got attacked for arguing that LeBron was getting fouled. And that's something the Lakers talked about even more after the game. They submitted footage to the NBA to say, hey, something is wrong here, guys. You're, the refs are blowing it. Or not blowing it, blowing it, I guess, when we talk about the whistle. The referees are making mistakes. And it's negatively affecting us. That's what he's arguing. That's why he got uh, attacked. Kelvin said, Ham had strikes again. Um... Again, Darvin Ham is not blameless in this situation, by the way. He's not blameless. Not blameless. And I think you could have run something a little better if you're going to try to generate a look. I mean, look, you can even say LeBron should have taken the shot in the lane. Now, again, he wasn't getting a call all night. How confident is he that if he does try to shoot and he gets hammered again, that he's going to get the call? Probably doesn't feel super confident about that. But there's plenty of blame to go around in the moment. Plenty of blame to go around, and some of it should fall. On Darvinham. Dante said trade D'Lo for a third consistent score next to LeBron and AD. D'Lo stagnates the offense and isn't a consistent shooter or defender. Well, he was a 40% three-point shooter last season, but defender, sure. Can't win a chip with him. Plus, we need more consistent shooting still. So, Dante, you know, here's the thing. D'Angelo Russell's contract is, people are going to talk about it at the trade deadline. And that's not to say that I dislike D'Lo because I think sometimes in the moment we get this kind of knee-jerk reaction and we say, oh, this guy didn't have a good game or this guy got ejected or whatever. Trade him. Get rid of him. Right? We, we can be very reactionary. Um, how many people were saying bench Austin Reeves? And then, look, Austin has started to bounce back. That said, the fact of the matter is that the Lakers negotiated out D'Angelo Russell's no-trade clause in his contract. So that in and of itself should raise some eyebrows that that was something that was important to the Lakers, that they make it so they can trade him this season without him being able to stop it. Um, That 
probably matters. And the fact that he's got a player option next summer, which means he may not be part of the team's long-term future. Now, again, I'm not saying that trading D'Angelo Russell is the correct move, but I think there is an argument to be made that a 3 and D style two, or perhaps, as Dante is suggesting, a wing scorer would help this team more than D'Angelo Russell would. And if that's the case, I fully expect the Lakers to explore the trade market heavily and consider point Austin with the ball in his hands and seeing if they can balance out the offense and the defense a little bit more with a more traditional 3 and D style player at the two. I think it's something that is going to have to be discussed. You have to discuss it. And again, I'm not saying the right, I'm not saying get rid of D'Lo. I'm not saying I'm leading the trade D'Lo parade here or anything like that. Certainly not. I like D'Angelo Russell. But that's a conversation that's going to be had. Only thing is, it's not happening until at least December 15th. It's not trade eligible until then. Trade deadlines, February 8th. That's the window. I'm expecting to hear whether he's traded or not. I'm expecting to hear a lot of D'Angelo Russell's name coming up in trade rumors. Uh, Lucas said he can't get ejected when you're this shorthanded. Agreed, Lucas. Can't do it. You just can't do it, D'Lo. Can't do it. Tom Tom, why was it Cam Reddish in the corner? Why not Torian Prince or Max Christie? So my solution, I put this out there on X, what I would have done on that play is after the ball was inbounded, uh, Torian Prince inbounds the ball, I want Cam Reddish, who did a little screen action with uh, with Christian Wood down in the corner. Once he comes off of that, I would have had Cam go set a back screen for, for Torian Prince. And Prince stay to the level of the ball as LeBron is driving so that it's Torian Prince stepping into a corner three where he has excelled for years now, for three years straight. He's been 44% or better from the corner three. That's the way I would have run it. That's that's the, the, thing, the wrinkle, the change I would have made. Now, the counter to that is no matter where you put Cam Reddish, his man is going to leave him, right? The Heat in that scenario may just sell out and send both guys at Torian Prince. Both Reddish's defender and Prince's defender will fight through the screen and go to Prince, and they will leave Cam Reddish. No matter where he was on the floor, he was going to be the guy that the Heat were going to cheat off of and put another man into the paint and not allow a guy like Torian Prince to get a look from the outside or LeBron to get something right at the rim. That was going to be their game plan, as it should be. As it should be. So I can't even say for sure that was going to work. Um, Jake said I wanted Christie, and he was referring to a previous comment. Again, hindsight being 2020, yeah, should have gone with Max Christie. Does he make it? I don't know. Cam didn't, though. Ace of Hearts, one of my biggest pet peeves. Lakers not getting a single call all game. And when they do get one, the opposing coach challenge, challenges, and it goes on an emotional tear as if they've been getting robbed all game. I mean, part of it is that's just good coaching from Eric Spolstra, who is a fantastic coach. We know that may be the best coach in the NBA. But um, remember, we're going we're gonna to view things through purple and gold lenses. It's the way it is. I bet if you talk to Heat fans, they would also be talking about how bad the officials are. Because I'll tell you this, that officiating crew had a rough night. And it wasn't just a rough night at the Lakers' expense. There were moments where they had a rough night at the Heat's expense. I thought it was a very poorly officiated game overall. Did I think the Lakers got the worst of it? Yes, I do. But once again, I, I have never presented myself as unbiased, and I never will. 
I am going to view things through purple and gold lenses. I'm going to view things from the Lakers' perspective. I'm sure if you asked a Miami Heat fan, they might have a different perspective on that. I could be surfing. Good, bad, I just don't like him as a coach. Made up my mind. Next. All right. Fair. I mean, look, if you've decided you don't like Darvin Ham, that's fine. Maybe he'll change your opinion. Maybe he will reinforce your opinion. I sure hope it's the former, though. Davion said, sit AD on Wednesday, bring him back Friday. I, I think the challenge there, if you sit Anthony Davis against Houston, which I don't think is the most likely thing to happen, but if you sit him against Houston, what you don't want to do is sit is if he's totally healthy, sit him against Houston thinking it's Houston, we should win this anyway. Because again, their gimmies don't exist in the West. They just don't. So you got to be careful. And again, first and foremost, be careful with AD. If there's a risk of re-injury, yes, sit him. But if he's totally fine and you're just worried about whatever, about pushing it, even though the even though he's 100%, you can't look at Houston and assume, oh, we've got this regardless. You just can't. Levinsky said he didn't make the right play. Reddish is not a good three-point shooter. Wood was opened under the basket because Bam collapsed on Braun also, just lob it up. So Christian Wood had Josh Richardson behind him. I've watched the play a bunch of times. And yes, he may have been able to squeeze the drop-off pass to Christian Wood. Um, maybe he could have lobbed it up over the top. It would have been a little bit of a tough angle. But it also would have been kind of fighting through traffic a little bit. Christian Wood, uh, maybe he gets a hand on it. But also, we have to remember this, if LeBron does that little drop-off, Josh Richardson is probably just going to bear hug Christian Wood. And then it's Christian Wood going to the free throw line. Now, maybe Wood would have been able to power through Josh Richardson and get an and one. I, I don't, we don't know exactly what would have happened. But most likely, Richardson wasn't just going to concede a dunk there to Wood to win the game. He probably would have just bear hugged him. And we'd have Christian Wood going to the free throw line. And who knows? Maybe we, you know, he makes one, misses one, and we've got a tie game. Um, Cam Reddish was the wide open player. LeBron made the pass to the wide open player and trusted that he would knock it down. He didn't. That's what happened. Um, yeah, I think you can make the argument for dropping off the pass to Christian Wood, but it's not like he was completely wide open. He did have a man behind him that I don't know, maybe Josh Richardson would have would have reached in and poked the ball free before the ball got to him. Julio said Darvin is the Josh McDaniels of the NBA. Oh man. Where's Ryan Ward when you need him? The Raiders fan. Um, Terrell Lawson said no toughness or physicality on this team. No shooting either outside of Torian Prince. You know, that's one of the things that's disappointing about this Lakers team so far this season. We have a long way to go. But we saw in preseason the, the shooting on this team and how much better it can be. So far in the regular season, that shooting has just not shown up. In fact, as of right now, the Lakers... In terms of three-point percentage, they are shooting 29.8% from three, which ranks 29th in the NBA. I do not believe they are truly that bad of a three-point shooting team. So that's the other thing. We look at the Lakers' record right now, and we see they are three and four. Imagine if they shot a normal percentage from three. And I think 35% from three is not asking for too much from this team. So... If they were shooting a normal percentage from three, what does the record look like then? 
They're clearly dealing with some shooting issues. They're in a shooting slump. You can blame it on the Lakers shooting curse if you want, but I do think better days are coming for the Lakers with their three-point shooting. I don't think... I'm not saying they're going to be a top-tier three-point shooting team. I don't think they will be. But I also don't think they are 29.8% bad. I don't think that's simply who they are either. Uh, Yellow Uzi said, last shot shouldn't have been a three-point attempt. Yeah, you needed two to win, and the Lakers went for a three. The three was the open shot, but you could argue Cam should have taken a dribble in or just attacked the rim. Sneaker said, Braun must not trust Wood. He was wide open. Again, I, I had Josh Richardson on his back. He probably could have got the pass through, but Reddish was the guy who was wide open. Again, hindsight being 2020. Yeah. Should have done something else, right? Anything else, because we know the way that the pass to Cam Reddish played out. Super dope hip hop. Lonnie Walker, six games, 22 minutes, 16 points per game, 65% true shooting. Yeah, but again, did the Lakers tell Lonnie you're not wanted? Or did Lonnie say, I'd, I'd prefer to go to Brooklyn because you benched me middle of last season? That's the question. And we have to ask that question. When we look at Malik Beasley, Lakers fans will say, oh, we could have kept Beasley for a minimum, could have kept Lonnie for a minimum, could have kept Schroeder if we paid a little bit more than we did for Gabe Vincent. We don't know that any of those are true. We don't know that the player, because the player has to decide where they're going to sign. We don't know that if the money was equal, the player's going to stay in L.A. We like to think that, but that's not always the case. Faded, said Ham in the post-show, said Cam had an exceptional game on offense and defense. Thoughts on that? I disagree. You know, Cam has struggled, and part of this is probably Darvin is picking up a player who, in the moment, probably feels awful, probably feels terrible that he missed that shot. And so... That's something we have to remember is the context here. Is Darwin just oblivious to what's going on? No. No. And by the way, what's interesting is the box score actually doesn't have Cam Reddish as having taken a three in the game. That's the ESPN box score anyway. Kind of bizarre. But anyway, um, I, I think that Cam has done some good things defensively for this Lakers team. He's had ups and downs on that end of the floor, but in general, he's been better defensively than he has offensively. I believe that in that moment, Ham is just trying to talk up a young player, trying to give him a little bit more confidence and encouragement, and that's probably what that's about. I don't think Cam's been good offensively for the Lakers. I think the three-point shooting has been a real concern. Um, the shooting overall, I mean, you look at his stats right now, he's shooting 31% from the field. He's shooting 15% from three. Now, again, is Cam a good three-point shooter? No. But is he that bad? No. He's a career 32% three-point shooter, which is not good. That's not me saying, oh, Cam is really a sniper, just you wait. No, he's not a good three-point shooter. But he's not this bad. He's not this bad. So that means that regression in a positive way is, is coming for Cam Reddish. And again, He's a 40% career shooter from the field. He's shooting 31% for the Lakers right now. Regression is probably coming for him. So don't totally give up on Cam Reddish on the offensive end. Don't expect the world. But he should be a bit better than this in terms of his efficiency. He should be significantly better than this 
from behind the arc. That's what to what to look for here. Um, don't write him off. I think he's done some good things defensively. But if Darvin really does believe that Cam had an exceptional game on offense and defense, maybe he just sees Cam a little bit differently than, than most of us do. But again, I, I think there's reason to believe he will be better than what we've seen. And I think that Darvin was just trying to talk up a guy who just had a rough night. Maddie James, time to call up Colin. Well, Colin's ready. Colin's ready. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he's ready for an NBA for, for a full NBA game against regular season players right now, but if the Lakers need to put him in, they can. Can we please not turn the ball over so much? Absolutely, Maddie. That's one of my keys for tonight's game against the Rockets. Uh, Rocky said, if you had four and you need to pick pick up one, LeBron, Michael Jordan, or Kobe, what's the rest of my team look like? Right? Is the rest of my team all bigs? Is it all guards? What does it look like? What is the rest of my team? Are we assuming this player is sliding in at either the two or the three? I think it depends on the makeup of the team. Maybe that's a cop-out, but it depends on that. Um... David said, had three possessions, didn't attack the rim once. Embarrassing. They gave us that win. Yeah, the Heat really struggled to score the ball down the stretch, and the Lakers just didn't take advantage. They three-pointer, 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 just and kept missing them. And those were open looks. And again, you would expect this team to knock those down at some point. They did not in this game. Uh, Study Beats said, either Ham needs to be fired or AD needs to be traded. Literal definition of insanity. Ham's not going to be fired. Seven games into a season, he's three and four with his team. I mean, just they are running through one injury after another. He's three and four right now with half of a team and took last year's team to the Western Conference Finals. Why would he be fired now? Like, I understand anytime the Lakers lose, there's going to be frustration with Darvin Ham. And I'm not saying he's perfect. And I'm not even saying he's a good coach. There's plenty of things to be upset with. But from the Lakers' perspective, you're not going to fire him. And beyond that, let's say you do. Let's say you're the Lakers and you say, let's fire Darvin Ham. Should have never had Cam Reddish in that game. That's a fireable offense. Darvin, get out. Let's say they do that. Number one, you're committing to paying Darvin to not coach for you for the next three seasons. Not great business there, paying someone and not getting anything from it. And number two, you now have to go find another head coach. Who is it? Who right now could step into this Lakers team and be a better head coach than Darvin Ham? That's available. And don't tell me Phil Jackson. He's done. He's not coaching anymore. So who is it? That's the problem. That's the problem. The grass isn't always greener. Look, if you don't like Darvin Ham... That's fine. Look, there's plenty of reason. I've been critical of Darvin before. Plenty of reason to criticize him. But reality is, there isn't a clear fix. There isn't a clear replacement out there. Nor is it even clear that he should be replaced. I know in the moment we get frustrated when things don't go the Lakers' way, and the first person we blame is the coach, but that doesn't mean the team should be that reactionary and just fire him. 
And as far as trading Anthony Davis, I know. He got hurt. Right? Got hurt. Funky play. He's dealing with something with his hip. All I can say is you feel for him. Because he knows. He knows what the reaction is going to be. You can see it on his face. He knows what everybody's going to say about him. And he doesn't want that. He wants to play every single game. And he plays so hard. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's, it's terrible. Hopefully he can go. Hopefully he can stay relatively injury-free because I do believe he's the best defensive player in the league. I do believe he is one of the best talents in the NBA period. Hopefully he can stay healthy. We'll see. Philly, so what's required to get out of concussion protocol? You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV either. Um, but there are certain steps you have to get through. There's certain um, tests that you have to pass. Obviously, Rui has passed those, and that's what's made him probable for tonight's game. ZJ, so by January, you've got to swap, swap D'Lo for DeJounte Murray somehow. The only way you're doing that is if maybe the Hawks are looking to clear salary or if, I mean, you're, you've got to attach some serious picks to D'Lo as well. I would be surprised, though, if you can get that specific deal done. Faded said Reeves missed two open threes late in the fourth. Yeah, Cam Reddish wasn't the only one to miss threes. Reeves did. LeBron did. I could be surfing. How many losses can you already legitimately put on Ham? One, two, three, yikes, weakest link. See, I don't know. Again, he had six guys to close that game. So is that Ham's fault that he's got six guys? And that Cam Reddish happens to be one of them? You could say, well, it should have been Max Christie. You can say he should have drawn up something different. Again, I'm not saying he's blameless, but there's some things to recognize here too. So how many are legit on Darvin? I don't know. I have a hard time putting any of the losses so far on just Darvin Ham. I have a hard time doing that right now, even though I know there's a lot of frustration out there with him. And it would be, look, I would get way more bonus points with Lakers fans if I just ripped Darvin a new one and, and said, look, this is, He's awful and get this guy out and, and all this kind of stuff. That's just not my honest analysis of the situation. Again, not saying he's been good, not saying he's blameless. But I don't think it's all on him right now. Julio said offensive strategy. Does Ham have a system? Yes, he does. And yes, the Lakers run plays. They do. They do. Now you can say they should run other stuff. You could say it needs to be more complex. I think there have been more wrinkles added in since last year. But you can 
you can say it's not complicated enough, but yeah, he there is a system. They do run plays, all of that. We tend to, as I've talked about this before, when we say a coach needs to make adjustments, we assume if whatever's happening on the floor doesn't, if the score doesn't change, then the coach didn't make adjustments. Sometimes coaches make adjustments and it doesn't work. That can happen too. We equate that though with not making adjustments. To in our in our minds, what I'm seeing from fans is adjustments equals the result. The result is the game starts going our way. That's what an adjustment means. And there's no way a coach can guarantee that. But yes, Darvin Ham has a system. Yes, he makes adjustments. Yes, they change things up. Doesn't mean he's doing everything perfect. He's not. There is no perfect. Doesn't mean there aren't improvements that could be made. But yes, there is a system. I could be surfing. Said, I get the Ham's a good dude and understands basketball, but it just doesn't seem like he understands adjustments, quick decisions, little stuff in the moment. Again, and I think that I could be surfing here is actually giving us the more standard definition of adjustment here, not just adjustment equals results. And I would actually kind of agree. I think that in game, like game to game, he did okay in the postseason until the Lakers got to Denver making adjustments. In game, I do think there's some things that get missed in the moment, some opportunities that get missed where he's not thinking on the fly, which is not an easy thing to do. But some things where some of the nuance to it that sometimes gets missed. I think he's gotten better, as coaches tend to do. But yeah, some of the quick, as I could be surfing, the quick decisions. We see this all the time in the NFL with clock management. You've got to be really sharp and really on top of it and really understand what is happening in the game at the moment and what is the best strategy for you and execute that quickly make that decision. I think that's an area where Darwin maybe does struggle a little bit. Um, this one said drop off to wood is the game winner is the game winner. Uh, 5.2 seconds when LeBron gave to cam, we need one point to win. We waste one win and half a second Reeves, uh, fouled on the rebound. Uh, I did, I did see Reeves kind of went flying on that. He didn't get a call, but that's, that's pretty typical for right then. But yeah, I, look, Cam also could have put the ball on the floor and attacked the rim in that moment. He had enough time to do it. Davion, I don't want understand why everyone is saying that Max Christie should have been in in the last three games. He's six for 17 from the field, one for eight from three. Yeah, it's not like Max Christie was has been a sniper. Ken J said we have to stay even keel, positive vibes only. Uh, you know what? This is par for the course, guys. I've been doing this for a long time, and... We ride that roller coaster, man. We ride that roller coaster. When the Lakers win, positive vibes. They are abundant. When the Lakers lose, they're not. People are frustrated. Robert, in this case, one shot. One shot would have made all that difference. Let's hope the Lakers are able to get a win against the Rockets so we can get those positive vibes back. Robert, again, taking shots at Darvin Ham. Does Ham know how to draw up a play? Because I see guys standing around on offense. No one cuts. No one moves around when someone gets doubled. Uh, someone getting doubled, that's not necessarily a play that needs to be drawn up. But in terms of reacting to the situation, that's a fair complaint that, yeah, maybe there is too much stagnation in, in the Lakers offense. And that's not uncommon. That's something we've seen for a while now. Um, I think it's a little bit better this year, but could always use improvement. Kasuki, 
said, this is the 2013 Lakers all over again. No one can stay healthy, losing close games, shaking my head. Ham will be the death of this team. You know, it's it's not been a great start, has it? All the depth. Like, we, we looked at this and went, man, the Lakers have tons of depth. They had six players. <laughs> they had six players to close out the last game. It's been really unbelievable how many players have gotten hurt and how quickly that depth just evaporated. Just evaporated. Um, Doc Geo said, do you have any info on the medical slash training staff? Seems like they start the year with three plus injured players every year since 2021. No, I mean, there's a lot of injuries around the league right now. I mean, CJ McCollum has a collapsed lung. Robert Williams is getting knee surgery that might end his season. There's lots of stuff going on, on around the league. It, it feels amplified when it's a Lakers player and it feels amplified, of course, when it's so many Lakers players. But I don't think you can point to the training staff and saying you say you guys messed up. That's why these guys are getting hurt. I, I don't know that you can make that that conclusion. Avi B said, wouldn't you rather have Max versus Cam in the corner? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, if again, if it's up to me, I'm putting Max in the corner. If it's up to me, if Cam is in the corner, I'm having him screen for Torian Prince and hoping that Prince pops open. I'm not just having him spot up and let the uh, heat double off of him or send an extra man in the paint off of him without even having to think about, oh, hey, wait, he's on the move here. He's If the man is just standing in the corner, you don't have to worry about him that much, do you? But if he's doing something, he's going somewhere, that defender's got to think twice about him. Where's he going? What's he doing? What do I have to do in this situation? You just park him over there and the guy doesn't have to do anything. So yeah, I'm not running that the way the Lakers did. And that's unfortunate. I can't say for sure the result would have been different though. Because again, Miami's a smart team. And whoever's on cam is keeping at least one foot in the paint at all times. Because why defend him? He's shooting 15% from three. DJ, LeBron could have obviously taken the shot, but do you think he wants to put the new players in a situation to build their confidence. If Reddish hits that shot, think of how it would boost his self-belief. Yes, but I don't know that's what was going through LeBron's head in that moment. I think LeBron has consistently shown over his career that he will make the pass, that he doesn't feel like he has to take the game-winning shot, and he's been criticized heavily for that over the years. And in that moment, yes, I would have rather LeBron just taken the shot. In that moment, I thought, man, do not pass this ball, go up, go through them. If the refs don't call it, we're going to see it again and we're going to know it's another Jason Tatum situation from last year. But LeBron, put the game in your hands and we're going to live or die with whatever happens here. That was, That's my option one. If I'm Darvin Ham, if I'm the Lakers, if I'm LeBron, that's my option number one. All the stuff about Cam setting a screen and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's my secondary. LeBron in that moment felt like the right play was not to try to loft the ball up over the top of the defense, was not to try to drop it off to Christian Wood. It was to hit the wide open Cam Reddish. That's what he felt was the best play. And over the, his career, he has shown that he has always been willing to hit the open man and trust that his teammate will knock it down. Again, you can criticize him for it. I would have preferred that he not do that. I would have preferred, I would rather have a LeBron attempt from the paint where he's got to shoot it over a few defenders, where he's got to get a little bit of contact and trust that either he's going to hit the shot he's or he's going to get to the free throw line or both. I think it's a greater likelihood that one of those three things is going to happen than 
Cam Reddish is going to knock down a wide open jumper. Maybe LeBron was hoping Reddish was going to one dribble and get to the rim himself, but he didn't. LeBron kicked it out. Reddish shot the three. I think the higher percentage shot, even though he's defended heavily, was LeBron in the paint, and I wished he would have shot it. But again, this is who LeBron is. He's an unselfish player, and he trusts that his teammates are going to knock him down. And when it doesn't work, he gets criticized very heavily for it, and that's a decision that he's made over the course of his career and something that he's accepted. Jerry said the Lakers have been underperforming for two years. Um, No, they haven't. They were just in the Western Conference Finals. That's overperforming, considering the way that team shot. And this is Jerry again, my guy, <laughs> who always has some negative stuff. Uh, D'Lo wasn't wanted by three teams, so they got rid of him. That's not accurate. Um, got a 38-year-old and a top 15 player, not top five in AD. Depends on how you want to look at AD. I think he's a very, very talented player. Um, yeah, look, if you want to call AD top 15, I would argue he's top 10 at worst, but you want to call him top 15, it all depends on how you want to rank players. D'Lo was in trade situations where his contract was very useful. Doesn't necessarily mean teams didn't want him or were trying to get rid of him, but the Wolves decided they didn't want to be the team to pay him, and that's part of why they made the move that they did. It also wasn't working between him and, and Gobert, so they had a change they needed to make there. But look, this Lakers team, I know fans right now coming off that loss are frustrated. And all of this would be turned around had Cam made that shot. All of it would be completely flipped. To make or miss league. It's the way it goes. Hopefully tonight, the Lakers get the job done against the Rockets. And we can celebrate and get back to 500. Because that's where this Lakers team should be again. I was hoping they would go at minimum 6-4 and four through the first 10. Now they got to win three in a row to do that. But Rui Hachimura coming back, fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully, Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes will be as available as well. And we'll see, still not a full team, but at least a little bit closer to it. Lakers Nation, again, check out that membership program on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe, turn on those notifications as well. And over on Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind, give us that five-star rating and review. Once again, 5 o'clock Pacific time game tonight. Come join us on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Hang out with us and watch the game together. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.